The following program was paid for by the host. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JBC Broadcasting, management, or its sponsors. And now, Overdrive Radio shifts gears to entrepreneurs in overdrive as we speak to entrepreneurs and visionaries. Welcome, you're listening to Entrepreneurs in Overdrive, brought to you by Universal Tire and Auto, home of the Buy 4 Tires, get a free alignment. Learn more at universaltireandauto.com. I'm your host, Taryn, and with me, we've kind of flipped it today, I have Mike on the phone. Mike, you there? Hello. So I get to be in control me? today. Is that right? Yeah, there you go. Are you giving me permission? Okay, I, cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing uh, what do you call it? Um, You're the co-host? Playing from behind today. Okay. <laughs> no, there we go. <laughs> well, I wanted to mention to everybody, because I'm a huge dog person, right now happening over at the Pet Supplies Plus in Avito, they're hosting a Halloween Bubbles and Talon Trims. So if you have your little pup and you want to get them a beast wash, a talon trimming, a spooky snapshot, and join in on the costume contest and get demon petting, uh, all proceeds go to the pity party of Central Florida. And they also have some adorable puppies that need some adopting uh, and loving families, uh, including one dressed up as Piglet. She's so cute. I wanted to stick her in my purse and just take her home with me. Oh, oh. I know, right? Hey, so, um, <clears throat> speaking speaking of Halloween, uh, next uh, Saturday, we have a very, very, very special episode coming up uh, for you. Um Karen, uh, do you have the details or would you like me to talk about it? Go right ahead. Okay. Uh, so first, we're going to have Jennifer Wesley, the criminologist. We're going to be talking about um, uh, some criminal issues and some of the programs, et cetera. So that's the criminal side. Well, actually, if then, I can interject, if I can interject with her, we're, she's going to also focus on some of the myths about it's not necessarily what's hidden in the um, in the bushes in the dark when you're walking. Some of the some of the things to be scared of are more close to you. Oh, dun dun dun! <laughs> then we're going to talk about. Then we're going to host. Um, one of the top 10 uh, best ghost adventures in the United States, mm-hmm. right here in Orlando, uh, AGA or American uh, Ghost uh, Adventure, that's going to be, uh, we're going to host one of their spokespeople with us, and um, we're going to highlight it for a little bit. And then last but not least, in the last hour, we are going to host one of America's top um, I don't know, uh, let's say spiritual, um, what else, Taryn? Uh, he's a spiritual. He's a, a horror kind of novelist as well. Horror novelist. So I'm actually going to be picking up one of his books today to start reading. Ooh, yeah. that's awesome. Um, also, he's he's one of, um, believe it or not, I mean, I mean, on one side, he's, he's a phenomenal horror and, and, and uh, suspense thriller writer and on the other side he's probably one of our best children writer how, how does that go don't ask we'll find <laughs> but out he more. is i mean i've read some i mean phenomenal uh children books for him so um and, and it's funny because i've asked actually a couple of teenagers about him and and much to my surprise very well known name so 
Uh, he's going to be with us uh, next week, and he's going to be our um, special guest for, for, for the last hour uh, next week. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, so, so anyhow, you well, gotta, you that's gotta, next week. Yeah. You got to stay tuned so to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get all those details because you also have a giveaway, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have one heck of a giveaway next week, guys. Um, AGA uh, or American Ghost Adventure is going to be giving a nice giveaway next weekend. So please join us. And now, um, not to take away from our present guest in the studio. Absolutely. Uh, Go ahead, Taryn. All right. So in the studio today, we're excited to bring in the expertise of over 30 years in early childhood development and education to sort of help us shed some light on some issues, obstacles that we're facing as we kind of push through the pandemic in early education. So we have Diana Palin. She is a private school director at Primrose Schools, and she's also the owner of Artemis Pro Learning. Hi, Diana. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So, hey, bef- Diana, sorry I couldn't be there. That's okay. She's prettier. It's okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, Diana, before we kind of get into what, you know, uh, talking about early childhood development, tell us why you are the, the you have so much expertise in this field. So... <laughs> Early education is something I kind of fell into. It wasn't where I thought I was going to be when I was young. I never Mm -hmm. thought, oh, I'll be a school principal. Trust me, I spent a lot of time on the other side (laughs) of the principal's desk when I was young. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I actually think that really helped me when I became a school principal. Um, I have a love for children, a love for their families, and for the teachers. It seems like in the early education field, it's kind of been forgotten for way too long. And I am a vocal advocate. I sit on a lot of different boards, uh, not because I'm the smartest, but because I have a pretty big mouth and I like that. (laughs) So um, I feel that early education now is something that people are focusing on, young mental health for um, children of all ages and early education being the beginning start for most of the children before kindergarten. So I feel that this has been a field that has been um, currently now brought to the forefront since everyone has now claimed that it is an essential position, which in my eyes, it's always been. So so people understand when we talk about early education, what is that age range? So that's a great question. It is, the children can start at school at six weeks, so they're little tiny babies. Oh my gosh, I remember so that. I remember that. Oh <laughs> Don't be gosh. jealous. They are incredibly cute at all of the schools, but our schools specifically in Winter Springs. Um, so they go up to, in most primroses, they can go up to pre-kindergarten. Some also do kindergarten. And then there's a before and after school program for the children that come in the morning and ride the bus to school and then ride their bus back to us, do their homework, have some social skills. You know, public school, even before everything that's been going on this year, uh, you know, they have so much emphasis on academics during the day that when they come back, they really like to, you know, do their homework next to their friends, laugh with their friends, Mm -hmm. really kind of get the Oh, I see. So you get them in the fun part. 
Uh, they yeah. can do the school. <laughs> they can do the school thing. And, Don't you know, be jealous. So, so pretty yeah, much. So early. <laughs> so early education is before elementary school. It is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and it kind of bleeds into the like I said the kids that are before and after school and they can go up to when they go to middle school. The license for an early education school goes up until a child turns thirteen. So mm-hmm. the state of Florida has made that decision six weeks to. Uh, when they turn 13. So when they turn 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I had was reading some articles that you've done in a few magazines. Um, one fact that sort of surprised me, like if we're talking about early education, because it's not about just, you know, I'm a mom. I love my kids. I had my kids. I well dealt with my kids when they were toddlers. Does not mean that I am an expert in their education. I was surprised to hear about how by the age of six, they're kind of their brain. You call, you called it brain balance. That yes. the, the the ability to kind of know whether they're using the right side or the left side. I want you to explain that. But I was shocked sure. that by age six, that's fully formed. Yep. It's 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 a it's a time where these kids are being molded, um, like play doh at that point, right? Up, right. up to yeah. that age. Yeah. So. When I was in high school, we had a program where the little guys would come in and we'd, you know, try and learn how to be teachers. Then when I went to college, my degree is N, meaning nursery, all the way to eighth grade, uh, dual bachelors in that. What they tried to teach us was that children were a blank slate and that you were going to kind of pour onto them everything that you knew. And through the years, thankfully, we've come to discover that it's definitely not the case. Mm -hmm. It's more that the children are, um, it's like it's our job to help unfold them into who they were always meant to be. They come with certain skills. You know, uh, my dad was an engineer. My dad was an inventor. He invented the heat seal that goes around the bottles. So Mm -hmm. to me, you know, being able to spot that in a child early on, having a curriculum like Permas does, where Mm -hmm. you would see where are the children wanting to be? Are they wanting to be in the area building with blocks? Are they wanting to be doing scientific experiments? Are they wanting to mix food? I mean, I'm not much of a cook, but trust me, putting something together and something else together and throwing it in the oven and then it's yummy, like that's magical. Yeah. Still magical to me. <laughs> so early education now, it's it's coming to light what always was, but we're finally learning uh, out in outside of the field, early education professionals have known this for years. You would have, you know, a bunch of children lined up. You're giving the same activity, and they're taking it in differently, just the way we would hear something differently as adults. So it's almost like their path. We need to help them be successful on their own path and get out of their way. Just set up the the atmosphere where they're where their learning is coming to them in the way that their brain understands. So mm-hmm. as an example, I'm not ambidextrous. Mm-hmm. I find it incredibly interesting when someone is, but I drive with my left hand, probably because I look 10% cooler when I'm driving, leaning back with my you know, <laughs> left hand on the steering wheel. But there's, um, there's something to be said about finding the key to each child, and early education does that. So... When I think about a child, I think about the things, if you've ever built a house or if you've mm-hmm. ever um, you know, seen construction, yeah. the most important part of the construction is what everybody forgets about after the pretty walls are up. It's the concrete, it's the pipes, it's the electrical, it's the termite you know, in Florida, protection. Yeah. It's those kinds of things that early education really is. It's the building of the foundation. It's not teaching them every single fact. It's teaching them how to take in every fact and understand how to process it and how to divide it in their brain and how to figure out, you know, what are they good at? What do they like the best? You know? Yeah. So 
the thing that people ask children all the time, and I've definitely done it myself, I've done it with um, our, our children and at school, I've asked, um, you know, what do you want to be? And I've recently been reading something about that that's the wrong question to ask because they already are someone. We're not waiting for them to become someone. We should be helping them continue to be who they've already set out to be. Does that make it's sense? Ki- no, it does. It's kind of like, you know, if you take, it, it seems probably this analogy's probably been used a lot, but you take that seed, yeah. that seed you already, they, we already know it's predetermined what it's going to be. Let's say it's a rose. And it just needs assistance. It needs the watering. It needs the food. It needs the care in order to become the rose that it was planning to be. Right. Just needed a little extra help. If you left it on its own, it might you know it might not function or might be weaker and not as strong. So very true. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we're gonna have to take a break. But when we come back from the break. Um, Well, I want to talk about start getting into the impacts that people are facing now with this early childhood education, some being able to send their children to school, some not being able to send their children to school, the impact that everything that we're facing in the world right now is having on our children um, in education. So stay tuned. This is Entrepreneurs in Overdrive. Entrepreneurs in Overdrive, driven by Universal Tire and Auto, unfiltered, unafraid, Florida Man Radio. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, this is Entrepreneurs in Overdrive, brought to you by Feeding Children Everywhere. This is an amazing nonprofit that fights to stamp out hunger. The CEO, Rick Witted, said, and I quote, Food insecurity is so interconnected that we'll never be able to solve the problem if we don't work together. So in order to help other families in our community, you can go to fullcart.org backslash overdrive. And for just $40, $40, people, you could feed a family of four, family of four for 10 days. The food is sent to their home discreetly, quality food. If you need help, you can visit fullcart.org and ask for it. This is a virtual food bank that Feeding Children Everywhere has created. So please, again, that is fullcart.org backslash overdrive, and you can help a family near you. So, and if you need help yourself, um, you can go on to fullcart.org uh, and, um, you know, uh, fill out the details and you'll get help as well. Absolutely. So if you're just tuning in, in the studio today, we have Diana Palin. She's a private school director at Primrose Schools and owner of Artemis Pro Learning. She lends over 30 years of early childhood development and education expertise. So what we wanted to kind of talk about now, um, Diana, is kind of the stresses that the parents are feeling with all of the challenges that they have, whether their child maybe had to just go straight into more of a virtual program, they maybe couldn't go into school, that they maybe are questioning, you know, like I'll give myself as an example, um, my kids are older, they're teenagers now. I don't know what my choice or my decision would be if they were in that pre-K early education range and let's say I had the flexibility to be with them at home what my choice would be and so I can understand the stresses that families are feeling or that feeling of I'm not getting to that they feel like they're in a race and that their child isn't reaching the 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 finale fast enough you know what I mean I do and I'm totally laughing at you on the inside so (laughs) (laughs) so I think um 
I think all parents, if they're wanting the best for their child at some point, have that, pandemic or not. So I think it's a a regular um, positive thought for your child. Um, But I don't think currently anyone is really an expert or can claim to be an expert about COVID-19. I think we're all kind of in it together. And, um, you know, your question has a lot of layers to it because originally when the schools closed, it was spring break here in Florida. Yeah. And uh, so everybody thought, oh, an extra week. That sounds fun. I know. I always talk mm-hmm. about it. It was like, you know, Gilligan's yeah. Island. We yeah. left oh, yeah. for spring break <laughs> and it's like we never came back. That's My it. kids just started back at like a physical school yeah. this week. Yeah. So what happened back in in March and what happened throughout the remainder of that school year seemed like a temporary situation. Mm-hmm. So it didn't seem as perpetual as it seems now. Yeah. So the summer, you know, uh, most schools have a summer camp. We did as well. So, um, you know, there are modifications across across the board. There are modifications with uh, <laughs> Mike's dogs. <laughs> That was not me. Let's just make that clear. It was the dogs. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so, so what happened was over the summer, most schools made modifications for their summer camp. Um, we did as well at the Primrose School of Winter Springs. We we changed. Oh my goodness, <laughs> our assistant director. I'm lucky Miss Coday did not hurt me because <laughs> I told her to wipe the board clean. Let's start again and. We had to think a little differently about the trips for children because we were balancing um, the quality education for them that they've always come to expect, yeah. especially during a summer program. It's not just the activities. It's also the academics that we're continuing to stretch over that usually 10-week period for the children. You know, that's that's a long period of time. And now when we think about it, the, the time frame that we've had after the summer, it's almost as if that continued. So parents have had to make very difficult decisions. Teachers have had to make difficult decisions. Schools have had to make difficult decisions. I have been on many Zoom calls where we're all just kind of sitting there thinking, you know, um, with the the state of Florida, um, what are we going to say now? There were some schools that, you know, could not get the right cleaning supplies. So they had to close for a short period of time. That's devastating to a community and to the children that go there, you know, um, to have to have a stressful situation in the world and to have a quality early education um, facility for your child is honestly, it's a weight lifted off of your shoulder when you know your your child is going to be with the teacher that they've been with since they were little. Everybody knows them in the hallway. Everybody's able to say hello to them. And all of that was kind of yeah. disrupted. For most schools, uh, Primrose schools in Florida and, and throughout the United States, what happened with us was we had a, a very simple transition for um, for the cleanliness, for safety, you know, when it comes to um, being clean. We, we followed previously already all of the CDC cleaning restrictions. And so one of the, the things that most schools did was the teachers began to wear masks. Yeah. And I think once that happened, once they mandated it, um, and, and it really became something that we were like, okay, we're all in it. I think there was kind of a, a little letdown of the shoulders of parents that were worried. You know, now you've got, okay, it's not just a, a week after spring break. Now we're, mm-hmm. we're all in it together for the long haul. And I think if students were enrolled in a quality school, they they almost leaned on us. Um, it was it was a different relationship with parents and with the teachers. It really was because now we were, for some of them, they're only outside that they were seeing. They were yeah. not going to the grocery store. They were not going to see grandma and grandpa. I mean, we weren't seeing the grandmas and grandpas who we love, you know? Yeah. So it was a it was a different world right away. 
and and we're still in that. So now, what would you tell? Like, a, so there are going to be those families where those kids cannot go to um, early education programs. The parents may not feel comfortable. They may not be able to. Um, they choose to keep their kids at home. There is a definitely like there's a level. I'm going to read you a quote that I found on UNICEF and. It strikes to some parents because they are trying to balance. They might be at home working, working from home, um, and yet they still have the struggles and the responsibilities of taking care of their children. Now, in some states, kids are still at home. Most of Florida is, you know, opened up now, um, depending on where you are in the country. Um, it said on their their one of their quotes is they added the added burden on families to balance child care and work responsibilities compounded by economic instability and social isolation in many cases is fertile ground for home environments categorized by toxic stress. So that stress that families are feeling to trying to put food on the table, trying to make sure their children are getting the education that they need. Um, how, what would you say to that parent that is having to keep their child at home and just frazzled at this moment? Well, first I'd say, I'm sorry. <laughs> if there was some magic wand <laughs> that any of us would have to uh, make that go away, we definitely would. And there are, you know, quality schools out there that are, that they've, mm, they've created an atmosphere where you can feel that sense of release when they drop their children off. I know, I know we do all the time. You know, I talk to parents on the way in, on the way out. It's just different now that the majority of children are back in early education. Yeah. So now um, some schools also did provide virtual. I know at our promosa we did. Some of the other promoses in the greater Orlando area did and across the country. We were given the opportunity to do that, which is really great because then the students, they knew us. They could see their their teachers, whether they were doing regular virtual or if they were doing Seminole Connect, we're in Seminole Now, how does, that, how does that work for a child? Because I'm picturing a child that sure. is like... You know, let's say uh, okay. Can I? Can I? Can I yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry because I I can't see you guys. You guys can't see me being on the phone. Uh, can I, if I may interject, just a quick question. Um, it, the stresses, no matter what, you know, a, a family is a unit, no matter what you do, um, and because of the whole situation and what Taryn was saying, you know, saying um, uh, in the question about uh, the stresses on maybe the providers of the family and whatever, no matter what you do, the, the stress is going to be felt throughout the family. Right. Um, how do we, how do we as, or how do you guys as educators and um, whatever, and what, and, and whatever, if, and I, what I mean is your opinion as an expert and an educator, what is probably the best way uh, to make sure that the kids don't, um, especially at a younger age, don't feel those stresses or those stresses kind of stop at the parents and they don't filter all the way down. Right. Whether depending, I guess if you take away the, whether they're um, doing early education at home or at a, at a, you know, at a school, um, yeah, yeah. how can parents no kind of the stop them is. from yeah. feeling that stress? So you guys are not going to like my answer. <laughs> Kids <laughs> are way smarter. <laughs> Kids are so smart. My goodness. They can tell, you know, if parents are out of sort, they can tell. They know. So we're not going to yeah. be able to get rid of all of it. You know, I've thought about this a lot. You know, when I was a kid, they talked about um, the killer bees and 
you know, quicksand. Like in my day, every character <laughs> fell into quicksand. And I would lay in bed at home when I was little thinking, how am I going to protect my family from these killer bees? Like, like you know, it was your just, responsibility. It was, yeah. So you can kind of see it on on the little ones and you can see it on their parents. So we can't pretend that they're, I mean, they're smart. If they don't hear it from their parent, they're gonna hear it from their friend. If they don't hear it from their friend, they're gonna hear it from someone else speaking. They're going to hear it. So the way, um, the way to really help them is to know, listen, we're doing the best we can. As a parent, you know, I'm a parent as well, you know, we're doing the best we can and and we have to look at it at, in the now. You know, if we look at it back when it first started, okay. If we look at it to the future, we, we don't know. We just have to make sure, I mean, honestly, one of the things that children have learned in early education is how to be clean, how to wash their hands. Uh, you know, my, my one daughter, she's uh, 20 and she called me uh, uh, last year and she said, I'm at a restaurant right now and I'm waiting to wash my hands. Isn't that great? And I was like, yes, that is. Uh, she's, she's also a teacher at the school. So, so she was saying, you know, she heard moms and, uh, and, and kids like saying the ABCs as they were washing yeah. their hands. And this is something she's, you know, been telling the children uh, for three years, you know, since so, so she's been there. So, you know, um, it's something that, you know, when you when you feel that you can pour into a child something that helps them be proactive. Mm -hmm. So the proactivity yep. would be if they're out, they wear their mask. If they're in early education, we're actually exempt. The children do not have to wear masks if they are uh, VPK and under because okay. of, um, you know, certain kinds of things that the CDC said about them, you know, the the dangers that they could have if they're sleeping or if they're mm -hmm. you know doing certain things. So the teachers at the early education schools are, are wearing masks. Right. The children are wearing them when they go to public school. They come into, um, you know, whatever school they're at and they immediately wash their hands as they always have have done. Um, I myself, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I'm a germaphobe. Like if I think about anything too long, I'm not touching anything. So um, the good thing is that you can help the children, you know, whether you're home, whether they're at school, wherever you are. I mean, there are wipes everywhere. There's hand sanitizer everywhere and good old fashioned soap and water, which is 100% for, for cleaning germs. So um, they see the teachers cleaning toys at school. That's actually a really a proactive thing for children to see. You know, you see an adult and you see them taking action and this is an action that keeps them safe. So both for the children and for their families, yeah. you know, that's something that has been um, like a blanket of comfort because they know they're going to a school where we're going to control um, you know, the atmosphere and keep it as clean as we possibly can. And and the schools overall, that's what they're they're doing as well. But to talk about the emotional component to that, you know, that never goes away. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing a good job, you're always worrying about something with your child. Yeah. Um, that's and, true. and we did see quite a few stresses for families that in the end of the school year, they were like, okay, you're just sitting next to me and work on your computer while I work on mine. And then, you know, when parents came back to school, they, you know, after the, the summer break, Everyone was saying, oh, my goodness, she started like not talking to me and holding the cell phone and telling me, oh, I'm on, uh, you know, I'm on a call right yeah. now. And, you know, all the things they want to they want to be like their parents. You know, they're their idols. They're they're their superheroes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's OK for them to see that. And it's OK for them to see the shift in the adults, yeah. because that's what we have to teach them. Life comes at you and you you have to, you know, really take the best, make the best out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember during kind of like the 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 deep part of it right as they left for spring break and you know as those weeks progressed I remember getting the hard question mom when is this going to end and it was like it, you could I couldn't answer that and my answer was always like I don't know but 
We will keep telling you everything that you need to know. And it was just this unknown that not only the children faced, but now the parents faced it as well. And so we're kind of, we're almost, we're, everybody was all in the same boat. It wasn't like the parents had experience in this. But how exciting is that for a child to hear a parent say, I don't know. Yeah. We tell them all the time we know everything. Let's let's let them be the ones to. I mean, who knows? Maybe someone from this generation will, you know, create something that that fends off this or anything like this ever happening again. Because they said, my mom, you know, she was she was my hero and she didn't know. I'm gonna know. Yeah, you know, that's that's the fire you know, that I want to um, see in them. Mm-hmm. You know, if I may share, um, also another part of this, the the, the financial burdens, etc. I remember when I was when I was a child. Um, I'll, ne- I'll actually never forget this. It's funny when you when we start talking about it, it just the memory just popped in my head. I could feel at one point my parents were stressing over finances, and um, and I, I can't remember. I think I was maybe ten. Uh, and what that happened? My my dad just kind of um, got their sort resources. Uh, they my mom and dad had gotten their resources together to build a second house, mm-hmm. uh, like a vacation home, and they literally squeezed every dime they had and put it in there. And I will never forget this because I felt the actual burden financially at home. And 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 it wasn't until what made me ease up on this was the day my dad pulled me aside and kind of put his arm uh you know around me and said, "Listen, we are building a second home for you guys. Um this is something for a vacation home that we want to do." And it really has like eaten us dry. <laughs> so, um, so what we, you know, we're doing this again for your future, but this is the deal and everything should be back to normal within probably six months or so. And he was right and it happened. But the fact that he came to me and, and just kind of leveled with me and, and explained everything because I was starting to feel it as a child, you're right. Kids are smart. They're not stupid. They know what's going on around them. So kind of opening to them, and uh, I believe opening to them and kind of just um, being honest and but at the same time, giving them a game plan, you Absolutely. know, within six months, everything should be OK. We're working on it. It'll get better. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, and we're by gonna... the way, oh, go I'm going to give you more. <laughs> I'm going to give you more for an allowance just to make you feel more comfortable. And it was I mean, everything made me feel very more a lot more comfortable. The communication. So, I know, Karen, we got to take a break. Yeah, we yeah, got to take a break. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we got to take a break. You're listening to Entrepreneurs in Overdrive. Stay tuned. Entrepreneurs in Overdrive, driven by Universal Tire and Auto. Unfiltered, unafraid, Florida Man Radio. Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, I am Taryn, and you're listening to Entrepreneurs in Overdrive. I have Mike on the phone with me. Say hi, Mike. Hello. Hello. Uh, Entrepreneurs in Overdrive is brought to you by Universal Tire and Auto, home of the Buy Four Tires. Get a free alignment. Come visit us at universaltireandauto.com. So if you're just tuning in or you have been listening, we're talking here with Diana Palin. She is a private school director at Primrose Schools in Winter Springs and owner of Artemis Pro Learning. But what we were talking about before the break were the impacts of the pandemic on children, on their families, and all of the stresses that it entails. But one thing that I wanted to point out, or I'd love for you to point out, Diana, is how the teachers working in early childhood education have become essential and what that means for that entire field. 
So I'm, I'm going to speak for everyone in early education, although I have no ability to really do that, but I'm totally going to take this opportunity. Um, early education has been essential from the beginning of time. I don't know yeah. why it took a pandemic for them to say we're essential. Like, I can't even tell you when I wrote the letter for them to like have in their car. I don't know yeah. if you remember back months oh, yeah, and months yeah. ago. Um, I took great pride in handing them, you're an essential worker. That was exciting because, you know, and now now everyone's talking about it in the legislature, in uh, in different kinds of things that they're looking at. Um, early education is one of the big cogs that helps everyone go to work, yeah. uh, whether it be the medical field or they're working at the food store or, you know, the gas station, whatever it is. Those jobs only can happen uh, well. They can happen well when families are not worried about the safety of their children. You know, everyone knows that early education is about education as well. Mm -hmm. But first, it's safety. You know, if my child is safe, now I can function. I can worry about what my adult task is in life, as opposed to, you know, thinking you can't move forward because you're worried about your child. So yeah. um, I'm going to say that early education, we we did a silent hurrah. Like, mm -hmm. thank you. You know, we've we've known this for forever and parents have known this for forever. And and, and to be honest, the teachers went through the roller coaster as well. Uh, a lot of them, you know, they have their own parents or they have their grandparents or their children or their spouse or, or whatever. We literally were in the same boat. However, what ended up happening in early education is we became even more of a relationship institution mm -hmm. where it really was not just about the trust. I mean, you hand us your baby every day. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. they don't speak. You're, you're looking to us to be their voice. Hey, mom, he seems a little more hungry today. And, you know, he's getting bigger or maybe the pediatrician could give you advice on this or that. You know, those are the regular kind of conversations. But now we had the conversations where, you know, we're telling parents, stop, you're doing a good job. Like, we're proud of you. Everybody, everybody's crying at night when the kids go to bed. We're all in it. We know. We know. So, um, you know, and, and for the children, too, you know, the, the stress of everything, you know, being able to talk to their teacher or being able to talk to each other just to say, you know, what have you heard and what have you heard? So it's it's this the relationship component that comes along with early education, as well as elementary education yeah. and middle school and high school, all of that. It, it really has... It's changed what it's really about, which it really always was about those things. Yeah. Well, you know, at, during the commercial break, we were talking about something. Um, my kids are older now. And Mike, you as a parent as well are probably going to agree with this. Your, your child gets in the car. Maybe they're at school. They're irritated. doesn't matter what age they are because I promise you this happens up through teen years. They're irritated. They say it's because they didn't get a book that they wanted in class. I'm trying, I can't think of a really good example or they didn't get to, um, they're, they're just tired. Or it wasn't hot. pizza day. It wasn't pizza day or something like that. And then they get home and they're still irritated. And then when you keep probing at them, you discover that the reason that they're upset is because a friend called them about, you know, a, a name in class and it embarrassed them, but they didn't know how to express it to you. So they were just irritated about something else. And it was kind of, um, as you said, Diana, it was deference. Right. <laughs> I had to ask her for the word. <laughs> it's deference. And so I, I want you to tell me about what you do because you were telling me about how you work with children in eighth grade and beyond and you go and speak with them, but it kind of turns into more. It does. So the catalyst for Artemis Pro Learning was um, I had brain surgery about 10 years ago. I had an aneurysm and I was lucky to survive the surgery. And I kind of stood back and said, okay, I'm doing all of these great things, 
but I have a couple of minutes that I'm not doing, you know, enough. Yeah. And that sounds a little self-righteous. I didn't mean it that way. What I mean is I really felt like I needed to pour more out. If I'm carrying around what I know and I'm not sharing it, what good is that? You know, that just makes you a little know-it-all. Nobody likes that. So, um, so a couple of the, the parents at, at um, the Primrose School of Winter Springs had said, hey, I do this and I do this, and you seem to know a lot about this and this. Would you mind coming and having a conversation with the students? Um, the scariest grade ever was eighth grade. I'm just going to tell you, I was oh, pretty yeah. nervous about that. <laughs> they actually put their cell phones down, and we had, like, a great conversation. I was supposed to go in and talk about, you know, what my job was and what I did mm-hmm. day to day. And, and honestly, um, that's boring. I don't want to hear about what I do day to day because I'm doing it day to day. What I wanted them to understand is it doesn't matter what you do as long as the job that you do, you're, you know, pouring into someone, pouring into yourself, pouring into your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And and I had them do a um, an activity with pipe cleaners, and yeah. um, it was completely it throws them off guard completely because they're not talking about themselves. Yeah. And they had to you know create a shape with the pipe cleaner of. Um, what they look like when they're stressed. And then they created a different shape of what they look like when everything is, you know, to use their words, perfect, which nothing is ever perfect. Yeah. But for kids, those are the two mm-hmm. two things. And it was Correct. it was magical, truly, for myself, for the teachers that were there, for the dean that was there. Um, they talked so openly. And, and again, I went in my car and I just sat there like dumbfounded, like this is something that they're dying to have someone or some some venue, some yeah. opportunity to really say the things that they don't. Yeah. You know? That is just kind of in their hearts, yeah. but that they can't get out and they're not sure how to get it yeah. out. They're afraid somebody might laugh at them. For sure. And I feel like in a situation like that where they're sort of doing a different activity, their mind isn't on themselves. Like, what is the person next to me going to think if I say this? But rather, they're all focused on that activity. And within that activity, it's sort of they let their guard down. Yes. And it allows them to sort of express their opinions. Um, Comparison is a very odd thing in today's world. mm -hmm. You can't get away from comparison. No. It's on your Instagram. It's on your Facebook. It's on whatever the new thing is today and whatever the new thing will be tomorrow. And I felt that they needed to be able to escape that. I remember yeah. being in eighth grade. It was horrible. <laughs> so, um, you know, I felt like having an activity that there was no right or wrong answer. Yeah. And they didn't know what the expectation was from the adults. Yeah. They could really be themselves. Yeah. And so that was kind of the beginning of me really thinking about doing this. I also go to high schools and yeah. um, adult trainings and things like right, that. Right, and I right. love it because I really love to read the crowd yeah, and pull yeah. the best out of them where they leave and they're like, I didn't know we were going to talk about that. And I'll look at them and say, I didn't know we were going to talk about that either. <laughs> that was pretty great. <laughs> so. You know, I never forget this. And I don't know if I've already mentioned this another time. One of my girls, she's going into ni- in ninth grade. So high school, but high school didn't start out the way we had planned. Started out as virtual. Um, but she, you know, she said to me during everything going, when she was going to virtual school, she said, mom, if you don't mind, I would like to pick the time that I go to bed because I'd like to be in control of something. And I was like, okay. So, you know, it, 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 you realize they feel so out of control. That's so funny that you should say that because this is a topic that, uh, for parents that are starting in school they might not know, you know, what we can help them with, which yeah. is everything. But yeah. uh, those are there are only three things that children can control, and and that's um, you should be really proud of your daughter for for noticing that is one of them: their yeah. bedtime, uh, going to the bathroom for little yeah. guys. Uh, that's a lot of control, and uh, and what they eat. 
Yeah. So if you're arguing about those three things, it's not about those three things. It's about them having the control. Absolutely. So now if people want to get a hold of you to kind of hear more about maybe have you come speak, you know, in front of a group of children that they might have, how do they get, how do they reach you? So I have a Facebook page. It's Artemis Pro Learning. And there are, um, there are just a couple of guidelines about like what I offer, but honestly, I don't care. I'll fit whatever they need for whatever their group is. I've spoken in front of the largest crowd with 67,000 people in well, that's China. That's a pretty loud crowd. It, it, was, wow. it, was, crowd. A, it was a large crowd. <laughs> Some of that was said in Chinese. I don't know what I said. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, we really appreciate having you here with us today. Um, I think you have given parents a sense of relief in telling them it's okay. You are okay. We are all doing this and in this together. Um, Do not feel that your child has to reach the finish line or that they haven't met sort of, um, you know, how they have like sort of certain expectations. They're unfolding every day. Let yeah. them unfold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let them unfold. Let them be. Let them kind of explore who they are, especially, you know, at that. Well, I think at any age. But, um, you know, again, everyone, you're OK. Take a deep breath. You are doing a great, great job. Thank you again for uh, being here, Diana. We thank appreciate it. Sure. Thank you all for listening. We really, yeah. Thank this you, is Diane. Entrepreneurs in Overdrive, powered by Universal Tire and Auto. Please join us next week for our big Halloween bonanza. Lots of oh, great stuff yeah. going on. Stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about that. Thanks, guys.